Good morning, church. It is so good to be here. Uh, they told me that the 11 o'clock service is the most attentive and most responsive ones. And so it is a joy to be here. Uh, my, I bring greetings from uh, my wife. Um, my kids are still excited to come to New Jersey. Uh, I asked my daughter, what is so exciting? And she says, uh, we get pizzas that we can assemble, like Subway. It's talking of mod pizza, and you get excited for that? She said, no, the beach is only an hour away. So that's exciting. At least somebody is excited about New Jersey. Uh, that's not true. We are all excited. We are so, it's been a great experience the last six, six weeks, just meeting the staff and just getting a feel of this community as, a, as a, I'm immersed in this culture, the culture where, where it seems like you have a very strong bonding a genuine friendships. I'm sure there, there are fights. I don't see that in staff, and I'm thinking, well, we should fight a little more. But, uh, but, but, that, but that's not the purpose. As Pastor has been talking to us about 36 years of God's faithfulness to you, 36 years of work journey together that we see not just in the building, but in the lives of people who who are here today because in a crowd like this, I know there are people with mountains before them and are saying, Savior, would you remove those mountains, mountains of anxiety and apprehension and fear and, and all kinds of things that you're laboring and Jesus says to you, I am your Savior. And I pray that, I've been praying for several weeks now that God would move among the aisles today and, and minister to you as, as we get into his plan that God will sort things out of your plan because we know that he is concerned about us. God, God is eternally thinking. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're constantly talking about us. They have no other agenda. They're constantly talking about Jim and John and Andrew and Peter and Mary and Susie. That's their communion. How do we get those to align to our plan? And so pastor has been talking about the last several weeks what it, what it means to be the church. The church, in a sense, is the called out ones, those whom he calls, calls to himself for a purpose. He doesn't call and say, no, I just, just hope that you are there. <laughs> His call is always intentional. He calls us into his purpose, which is eternal purpose, although it may seem that when God calls us, he tries to fix us. It seems to, to us that it's all about us, that he's trying to make us a little more prosperous, a little more have a better life, have better job, and, 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 and all that comes along with the package. But he calls us because he has a redemption plan. Aren't you glad that you're here? Because somebody spoke into your life, stood in your pain, stood with you in the midst of your pain and struggles and said, and pointed the way and said, there is hope for you that you can trust a God 
who keeps his promises. That's faith. That tomorrow will be a better life, better day, because he keeps his promises to be your provider, your healer, your peace. And that's why we follow him, because Every day we wake up and think this God who created the heavens and earth knows my name. That's a consoling feeling. The atmosphere changes when the Spirit of God comes into our midst because he cares about what you go through. And he wants to bring you out of that situation so that he can use you for his purposes, which is the great redemption plan in the beautiful world that he has created. He's redeeming his world to himself. God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so this morning, as good as the sermon I've heard is good, people have came and told me, a sermon is only good at his application. God does not give us credit for listening he says, in fact, if you listen and don't obey, you're deceiving yourself, thinking, oh, I felt God today. Speak to me today. So what? Nothing changes because you hear, because you make, it, make a choice, because life is full of choices, and you can make a choice to step into God's plan for your life, for this church. And so I want to place before you some truths that it's nothing new to us, truths that God wants to com communicate to, to us this morning. It's on his mind. What's on your mind? I want, to I want you to think about the person who brought you to this church or somebody who spoke into your life. I want you to think of that person who who introduced you to Jesus Christ or brought you into this church, who's invited you to church, and say thank you, thank you. Several years ago, there was a lady who, who kept visiting me when I was 16 years old. She was a lady who was from a Hindu background. She came and began to share the gospel when I was not interested in hearing about God because I was 16. I had my plans. I had my friends. I lived for them. In fact, I smoked with them. I smoked pot with them until God rescued me. I was doing my chemistry and, and, and thinking of the chemicals that were going into my system. But there was a day in my life when things changed, uh, when my life was a mess, my plans were being messed up, and I was angry. And I was there in the bed, on my deathbed in the year 1985, struggling to live, and there was a mother who was praying for me, whom I hated because she constantly talked about God, whom I was not interested. Until the time came when I could not breathe anymore, I said, if there is a God, would you please heal me because I, I want to live. And God came that night with 105 degrees temperature and throwing up and wasting away six hours unconscious. Suddenly I woke up from the bed because I saw my funeral. 
I said, God, please, I want to live. And God came into my life that day, and it's never been the same. The first thing that happened to me was joy. Joy towards my mother. Something happened, something reconciled between us. And I'm sure that you can think of the day when Jesus Christ came into your life. If you are here and if you have never experienced that joy, it's only a choice because God has always been calling people to himself. And if you hear his voice today, just let it go and say, God, please come. Because my life is out of control. I can't handle it. I can't make things happen God, I'm tired. Please help. Some of you may know people who are struggling right now. Some of you know people in your life whom you know that Jesus can make a difference, and yet there's something in you that is hesitating to tell them that. And we're going to talk about to make that little less anxious to take away that fear of, of approaching that person and cultivating a relationship because that's what it is all about. It is not about throwing Bible verses at people or, or preaching at them. It's about cultivating a relationship. Now let's look at that. So I'm going to place before you two truths to believe, two commands to obey, and three habits that we can cultivate towards obedience. And the text is found in Matthew chapter 28, which all of us are familiar with. Jesus is, he's died and rose again to the joy of his people who walked with him and said, Jesus, please don't leave us. We love you. We want to hold on to you. Stay with us. Keep giving us bread. Keep giving us messages. Walk with us. Do miracles fix me. And Jesus said, I need to go because if I go, I'll send you my spirit and then you'll do even greater things than what I have done. So, so look up, Andrew, Matt, Pete, Bart, Susie, Mary, come. I have something to tell you. And the Bible says he gathered them, almost 500 of them, Paul says, possibly there. Because Jesus was going to speak the last words while he was on earth. Last words of people are important. You know, the dying words, when people say something, that's, that's significant. That can change your life. We try to keep those last wish of people. How much more? The last words of Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, the God who saved us, who's calling us and saying, keep these last words. I want you to go. All authority have been given to me. You've seen that. Some of them doubted. So he was saying, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go in my name. 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I promise you I'm going to be with you. So let's just unpack that. I'm going to put my teaching hat on because I teach. If you look at that sentence structure, therefore, go make disciples. The emphasis, the command lies in making disciples. In other words, he was saying, here is what I'm calling you to do, make disciples. But when you read that in English, it sounds very, very awkward. Make disciples, as though you're making a product. Build a house, grill a steak. Literally, that's not what it means in the original text. It's just one singular word meaning disciple. It's not a verb that is followed by a noun. It's not a product. It's a process. It's what you do when you go. So the word, the word is an action verb. And it's in sing, it is in second person plural. Literally means, y'all go. You all go, as they say in the South. Y'all go. Y'all. Y'all make disciples. That's why we need the church, because we do it together. We are, we, we are dependent on each other. We, we huddle in groups. We huddle in mini churches, because we're supposed to do this together. Y'all make disciples, but you go first. So the argument was the command is not in going, but it is in discipling. Until the scholars discovered that when, when the participle, so you have going, baptizing, and teaching, but when the participle precedes the main verb in the Greek, there is an anatomy, which means the command of the verb is emphasized on the participle go, which means there is a command to go as well. Because churches said, we don't have to go, we got to just make disciples until some scholar discovered the Greek grammar and God uses Greek grammar to show us that we can stop going. It should be an exception to stay. Everyone goes. So literally the word going is in present continuous tense it, as though it's happening now. Literally it means wherever y'all go, y'all disciple. Wherever y'all go to the same restaurant and have that conversation with the same waitress, build a relationship and immerse her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is immersion, and we think of the event of, oh, that day I was baptized. That's, that's, that's not just what it means. It also means to immerse in a culture of heaven, of the Father, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the name, you're immersing the person in the name of the Father, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, telling them, fix your eyes on a, on a God who can take care of you. Immersing the person in Jehovah Rapha, the name that it brings healing to the bodies and says, look up to Jesus for your health. 
Really? God gives health? Yeah, sometimes he does. How does he do that? He say, he gives you wisdom to eat right. Take care of your body. And occasionally does a miracle to show you a glimpse of heaven, what it's going to be like, where there is no more sickness, there is no more pain, there is no more sorrow, where your body is going to be well. Occasionally he does a miracle, but most of the time he gives us, how does he provide? Does he bring a, a bag of money and throw it in your porch? No. He gives you wisdom not to spend too much on yourself and become a slave. You immerse people in the culture of the, the names of the Father that he's your peace, Jehovah Shalom. And that's the song that we sang this, this, this morning, his victory, Jehovah Nissi. He gives us victory in the midst of the battles that we are in. Immerse people to know that God is the answer for their problems. That is immersion. That's discipling. It's not a class. That's what he says in teach, teaching them to obey. See, teaching in the Eastern understanding is to become a disciple. Catching from the master, guru, sishya. It's an ancient Sanskrit word where people transferred values and culture and, and, and intellectual, philosophical knowledge about the existence of God and what people thought about time. Is, it, it, it's, it's, it's a worldview that was transferred through discipleship by watching the master. So people gave their lives to walk with the master, gurus. Happened in Buddhism. It happened in the Western thought Socrates conveyed his philosophy to, to Plato. Plato changed it a little bit and came out with his philosophy, transferred it to Aristotle, his disciple. Aristotle, Alexander the Great, became the disciple of Aristotle. That there is meaning hidden inside everything that we see. It's an essence of Aristotelian thinking. So discipleship is essentially a relationship that we build. It is cultivating friendship with people who need to be immersed in the culture of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All nations, literally meaning to people of all ethnic cultures. The word is ethnos. So here is my summary. Wherever y'all go, y'all disciple people of all cultures, leading them to embrace the kingdom culture through your modeling, being a role model to them, mentoring them, showing them how the ways of life, and coaching them, asking them questions. What would you do? and living the truths before them that I've lived out before you and I promise I'll be with you. So two truths to believe. God's redemption plan 
involves us. God's plan was to send his son. He and his son send the spirit, and he and the spirit sends the church into the world. He's ascending God. That's, that's his plan. He could have used anything else, but he chooses to use us. Several years ago, a lady from Germany came to Springfield, Missouri to, to do her Bible college in the 1930s, Rosa Reinecker. She, as she was graduating, she got a call to go to Sri Lanka. And she goes into the northern parts of Sri Lanka, into a small village, and she collects, she gathers all the little children and begins to teach them about Jesus. One boy, his name was Edwin. Edwin heard the gospel through her and grew up to be a man of God who had his own children, three of them, came to the city and eventually died in Bahrain. But two of his daughters are in ministry today. One is a children's pastor in Colombo. The second one, I married. Because some German young person heard the voice of God and obeyed him that several hundreds and thousands of people have been transformed because somebody obeyed the call. Think about this. 500 people plus heard this message, but only 120 obeyed the call. And God used that small group of fledgling church to, to 2.4 billion people transformed today because those 120 obeyed the call of God on their lives. You can be the next Rosa, or you can be yourself. Because God is calling us to make a difference in the life of people. So God's redemption involves us, and he promises to be there for us if we would step out. Trusting him, if we would step out, he says, I'm all what you need. You'll have all of me more than what you. God himself is the exceedingly great reward. Abraham said that. So what stops us? Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe, oh, what will they think of me? Fear or anger. I don't like him. How do you expect me to, to reach out to him? Doubts. Because they, I, I don't think this guy can change. Oh, even if God comes down, he cannot change. We have so many emotions that well up when we think of this person that we know needs Jesus Christ. Oh, it's just indifference. I'm too busy. I, I don't have time in my busy schedules. So this is what God says. He gives us two commands to obey. If we obey, we'll be blessed. Here's the first thing is, go and get changed. So before you go, Jesus told them, go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, because I know you were baptized by John, but I'm going to do a different thing in your life inside. So Luke uses two words to describe what this baptism is. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about waiting. Waiting is really not passively sitting. 
that something will drop from heaven. Waiting is actively engaging in hearing God. So waiting is something to seek God. Where do you seek God? Where he can be found? Where is he found? Not under the trees where you can go and meditate. He's found in his scripture. He speaks us through the safest place to, place to listen to God is to go to his word. And that's why James reminds us, if you want to have peace, connect with God by looking intently into the scripture. He who looks intently with an anticipation, whatever you speak, God, I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey. Such a person will be blessed. So it is coming to God to seek him with an anticipation, making up our mind already to obey. That's a person who, who really gets to hear God and be blessed. I didn't say that. James said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says because it's like a person, if he doesn't listen, it's like seeing the, your face in the mirror and seeing all the bristles and, oh, I need to shave, and then walks away and then walks into the office. Oh, Sam, didn't you shave? Oh, yeah, I know. Wow, I need to shave. I need to shave. Then he walks into the mini church and they say, come on, Sam, you, you haven't shaved? Oh, brothers, let's, let's all gather together and pray that I will shave. No, he's just got to go and shave. <laughs> And I think that's what God is saying. Just do it. Because if you hear and feel guilty, oh, God spoke to me today, and not do anything about it, this is a waste of time. Because God does not give us credit for merely being in church and listening. Because God calls us, if you hear you're responsible now. You've got to obey because in the obedience is where God shows up. And that's the anxiety we have because God wants to change us. And so the baptism is to literally, the word baptizo means to immerse. To immerse a cloth in a dye so that the dye can penetrate into the strands of the cloth every space. That's what God, the Spirit of God, baptizing in the Spirit is not some kind of emotional thing. Baptizing in the Spirit is learning to surrender and submit to His will. Surrender yourself that always wants to be in charge and submitting to His will. Not my will, but yours be done. Imagine Jesus had to do that. Not my will. Because something inside of me, Lord, I can't do it. But my, but my will, but not my will, but yours be done. That's, that's the process of changing. Because once we, because he says, if you are able to look into God's word intently and do what it says, it frees you up to be whom God has called you to be. No fake, no mass, you know, Hypocrisy is so much part of all of us, it's, and that's why we need discipleship, because that gets rid of the, the extent of this hypocrisy is reduced, and that's what happens as we... We're never going to be perfect. Come on, we're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. We can't wait till we become perfect to share what God has done in our lives. We've got to proclaim it on the rooftops as we sang. Because when you step 
up. God shows up to empower you. Now Luke says, not only will he immerse you, but he will clothe you. Remember Clark Kent? As soon as he puts on, power is released. Peter Parker, who, oh, my son's favorite, Tony Stark, the Iron Man. He actually made some Iron Man gears by himself, and he walked around because he's into anime. The power that comes from above, you won't believe if you step in trusting God, he will empower you for the things that are impossible humanly. I tell you, because in the first year when I came to know Jesus Christ, I was out there in the tea estates just talking to people about what God has done in my life. I was blown away by what God did in my life. And I began to pray for people, and there was a little girl with a heart condition, and God did something in her life. This was my first year I came to know Jesus Christ. The little girl's heart had something that needed a surgery. She went into the hospital, and she came back because they said there's not necessary to have a surgery. Another time, I remember going with my mother to pray for a lady who had a, such a big uh, tumor in her kidneys. She was, and they called me to pray, and I was there because I believed what God had done in my body. He can do it for her. I didn't think about all the theology. I just knew in my gut that God can do something. So I prayed, and, and that big tumor shrunk within six hours as they were taking her to surgery. They removed a small golf ball-sized ball, which they you know, earlier saw as a big softball. <laughs> I've seen laying hands on people in Sri Lanka. I, have, I didn't even touch them. People wriggling and, and, and demons in, you know, coming out. I didn't see them, but they were, they were wriggling like snake. This is scary. Because God is in the process of relieving people, the misery and pain they are in. He wants to use you to speak a word of hope, to speak a word of healing into the lives of people. That's why we have Alpha. It's not an intellectual journey. It is somewhere along that the Holy Spirit comes and grabs a person and says, this is what I needed. God. You have the choice to respond to God and say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be, to give enough of myself, my time, my energy to know you and to have the space. Say, if you don't dip yourself in the dye well, it becomes like a tie-dye where there are spaces that are still dark in our lives where God has not penetrated because you have not allowed him to. He's always there knocking, come on, let me into the deepest room that where there is still some dead things, some bitterness, some jealousy, something unforgiving. Let it go. Literally, forgiving means to loosen the knots. Loosening, untying. Because every time you have bitterness of something what people have done to you, you hold a knot, a grudge and it stays, it blocks your relationship. Free yourself, just let it go. 
because God wants us to be free to, so that we can be, you know, there's this lady uh, whom I'm reaching out to, this Muslim lady. She was a friend 10 years ago, Iraqi Muslim. And somehow, because I reached out to her, she, she started believing in the prayers to Jesus. So much so, my wife began to reach out to her. Just we started cultivating a relationship, not with any agenda of getting her into church, but she needed Jesus, there's no doubt, because they have painted a wrong picture of Jesus. They have said that this word is corrupt. There is no grounds to argue then to stand on a common ground because they've already discredited this book. So it has to be something miraculous for them to come to Jesus. And so we prayed, God, please, my words are not going to change her. God, would you, would you, would you, would you show yourself in a dream? And lo and behold, when I was preparing this message, she calls me and I'm thinking, oh, why did she call me? Now I am preparing. God says, no, it's time for ministry. What you're going to preach about, now live it. That was tough because I was, I, I was doing so many things, and, but I, I said, God, no. I'm going to give her time. So I just listened for three days in a row. She called, and she said her, her life is a mess. Her work boss, who claims to be a Christian, has made it even more difficult for me to communicate the Jesus that I was talking to him about, to her about. But one day, two days ago, she called me and said, you know, Suresh, I had a dream. I had a dream. My, my grandmother, her name is Miriam, Mary. She gave me a ring and said, believe in my son. And I'm thinking, oh God, you love her so much that you would actually appear in a dream because you care about her. See, God loves people more than anything. The people that you think are unlovable, God gives us a capacity to love when we receive this love because God is love. He dwells in love. He breathes love. He lo the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit and the Father, they are love. You know that the theology of the Trinity is the greatest model of love. That we, It's a circle of love, meaning it literally never ends. For God so loved the world that he gave his love in a body of a man called Jesus, that whosoever will receive Jesus will be invited into the circle of love. Literally, that's what the early church fathers decided, perichoresis, to understand the Trinity being into each other. The Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father, Oh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because the Father is already in me. The Spirit is in me. We're all into each other. Peri is circle, choresis, choreo, the dance of the triune God, simply meaning total access. Total access into each other's life. They can go in, and there's no secrets with Jesus and secrets with the Holy Spirit. They're all one. They have open access into each other's lives. And they are bound by it. It's a circle. It's never-ending. 
Ionios life. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever may believe in him will enter into the circle of life that never ends. That's what it means. Don't you like that? A wholesome life. In fact, that's what shalom means. Wholesome. Two halves becoming one. That which the world takes away, God comes and makes it whole. People take away from you. They make you look bad. They'd I don't have much time, so I'm going to talk about the habits. Three habits. Pray, give, go. Prayer will change your perspective. And so I'm going to ask you to, for the next 90 days to cultivate these habits. Uh, make it a part of your life, and one of the things that you can do is to think of that person that God wants you to reach out to cultivate that relationship. Begin by praying for that person. So I'm going to suggest buy yourself a mug if you don't have a coffee mug and write that person's name. Julie and I have done that for this person who eventually has, has come to Jesus Christ. You can, for the next 90 days, if you would make that commitment to write that person's name, maybe invite them for service next week. This is a time when people are open to come and God will speak into their lives. Cultivate a relation. Maybe invite them to a restaurant. Maybe share a meal. That's what we did with the Muslim friend. We've taken her out several times. We have invited the family home. My wife has baked birthday cakes for the children because she's a single mom. Her husband was bombed in Iraq because for, for working for the U.S. forces. And she's a refugee here. Find a way to cultivate a relationship because discipleship begins. You disciple people when you begin to cultivate a relationship with them. You don't have to throw Bible and verses at them. Let them catch it from you that God cares about them because you care about them. Secondly, give. I, I don't have to tell you to give. You know how to give. But cheerfully give. Give even more because it just breaks the stranglehold of money, mammon. It just breaks its power. Suddenly you're free. You're free with whatever you have to do, whatever you like, but you can choose wisely to invest where you want to now, being tied to the debts because of what you did with what you had. God will free us up when we learn to give because as you refresh others, you yourself will be. He or she who refreshes others will himself or herself be refreshed. That's, that's God's way. And lastly, go and be a witness. Go and be a witness. God has given us the power to be. When you step up, when you step up, when you step up, God will show up. Not before that. Not before that. He's not going to give you a plan of this is what I'm going to do for the person. But as soon as you trust him, grounded in faith, grounded in hope, grounded in love, the people of God, when they step up, God promises you'll have all the wisdom, you'll have all the knowledge, you will have all the power 
to be Christ to them. It's not rocket science, my friend. It's just sharing our story with conviction that God is possible to change your life because he did it in me. He did it for me. And he's faithful. He keeps his word. And that's what people want to know. A friend who stands with them. The ministry of presence. And um, we've tried to make this easy because going, going to witness is, is, is tough. And so we want to help put together teams so that we can go and do things together. We want you to, to support Alpha. You, we, Alpha is a great place to bring people to. You don't have to do anything. You've just got to be their friend. And then everything else is done. You can go to a South Africa. It'll change your life. I remember Paul Krahak saying, my life was totally transformed after the trip. People's lives have been changed by crossing the culture, and that's why God says, go and make sure you disciple other ethnic groups. Suddenly when you face-to-face -face with an African and an Indian or Asian, it changes you. Something happens, and I don't know what it is. It just changes us. And of course, we make a difference in their life. Don't you want to make a difference in people's lives? Yeah? No? We made it easy. Just text. See, we're getting very tech-savvy now. Just text. Imagine Jesus saying, text. <laughs> so that's what we have there. You, you can text, sign up today. There are many options. Just step out of your comfort zone and, and, be, and just see what God will do. Because we want to... We want to make a difference in our lives. And so I'm going to pray with you that God will help you to make that commitment. And if you do not know Jesus Christ, would you, may this be the grace of God offered to you that you will consider him the only son of God who can bring you peace, joy, and to the Father himself, to God himself. Lord, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Marty and Laurie who have built a culture of relationships here. I thank you for the elders. Oh, God, I thank you for the staff. I thank you for all the leaders I've met so far. Godly people with a passion, the joy that they have experienced. I want the congregation to experience that, oh, God. Give courage to people to step out and serve and see what God will do with their pain, their anxiety, their fears. And may nothing stop them because you're willing to release them from all that if they would align to your plan. So give them the courage to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.